0: Welcome to Capability Amplifier, the show for business owners and entrepreneurs who want high performance upgrades for their brains, bodies, and bank
1: accounts. This is Dan Sullivan and this is Capability Amplifier with my great friend and creative collaborator Mike Koenigs. and Mike I'm calling from Toronto where I've been put. Yeah. You know, Where's Toronto? But, Toronto. I've heard of the place. Toronto. So we're just watching the states, you know, we're in the states, So we have 6 million greater population of Toronto, and we have just about 700 people who they say have died of the COVID. So the pretty low rate given some other places. Anyway, it's been interesting and we have much to talk about because I have a feeling that the last three months have changed the world.
0: I agree. And I think this is a great series because if you think about the habits, how people's values will change and how that's going to affect economies, business, buying mm-hmm. behaviors, and the value of things, the value of time, the value of talent, mm-hmm. it's extraordinary. So I've got a lot of opinions on this as I imagine you do too. So why don't we begin through the lens of strategic coach and expand beyond that and talk about the world a little bit, unless you want to do the reverse. What's your observation?
1: Yeah, well, I'll start with coach because that's what I have access to. So we've done a good job. Bab Smith runs the company and took her three days to get the company sorted out as Zoom enabled rather than an in-person company. And we have over a hundred team members and we're Across eight time zones. So it was a big deal, but she's got great teams and uh, they put together a great plan and we had great cooperation with everyone. So made the decision on the 13th and then that was the beginning of a weekend. And by the Tuesday of the next week, everybody was up and functioning from home. And that's where everybody's been since. On the 23rd, we had our first Zoom mini workshop. So it's a two-hour workshop that was an experiment at first, but it worked. Since then, we've had 99 others. So we've done 100 two-hour Zoom workshops. And last week, for the first time, we had our actual first sales presentation by Zoom to fill London, UK workshops. And so far, so good. It really looks like it's going to work in this new medium
0: it does well i think the best thing is if you would have talked to your customers 3 months ago 3 months and 1 day let's call it and said hey would you accept strategic coach as a virtual event i would imagine both you team members and a lot of customers would have said no way there isn't the same level of value there isn't the same level of intimacy there isn't the same level of connection and what this did is it forced upon us a hand and as a result think about how it's going to affect Commercial real estate, I know quite a few business owners who are not going to renew their leases, how businesses definitely are looking at different employee types and determining which are going to work best from home and which won't, and the perceived value, getting back to coach specifically, of the delivery and the intimacy. And there have been tons and tons of examples of this, people I know very well who thought their lives and their businesses were completely over because they were 100% dependent upon an event to get new customers. They virtualized, their show-up rates have been higher, their conversion rates have been about the same or better, and the intimacy level and the perception of connection has, in fact, been higher as well. And I've been saying this for years, which I flat out have refused to do enrollment conversations or sales conversations unless I do a Zoom and the reason for that is I need, I demand to own the eyeballs, the fingers, and the ears of anyone I'm talking to because I don't accept multitasking. If I can hear someone ruffling around with papers, I simply end the conversation and I flat out say, if this is the kind of way you'd treat um, anything important in your life, we are not a match. So it's a matter of how you value someone's time and their attention. And to me, we've emerged or we've devolved into a complete multitasking species. And this is one mechanism to at least shift a little bit. I'm not saying it's going to, I mean, let's face it, people on Zoom are going to be all over the place as well. But in a one-on-one conversation, it's dramatically changed. But again, if you look into the details of what I just said, I think we have completely changed the face of business, Mm -hmm. time, distance, being able to coordinate, and get an enormous amount of stuff done?
1: Well, as a fast estimate, I calculated that we made about five years of change in about three months. I don't know how that relates to your experience. I mean, if you had thought, you know, before, let's say February, you know, within five years, a major portion of Strategic Coach's business is going to be on Zoom, it'd be an interesting prediction But you would have no driving motivation to make it happen fast.
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is a hand that had to be forced on us, just like the hand of what I call the zombie business syndrome, which we've had a ton of businesses that, frankly, weren't delivering value for a long time, but they were either in the way or we habitually use them out of fear or whatever that is that, you know, we'll emerge from this and go, eh, not necessary, not necessary, not necessary. And again, I think we're testing values. Also, I would not expect that a lot of people are going to just bop back into using certain services. In other words, we're going to return back. So I'll give you a real life example, the gym business. And I'm going to talk the big gym business, okay? And several of them have gone out of business or are going to or are going bankrupt, for example. Like, I don't know if it's, I can't even remember what the heck it is. It's, it's one of the big fitness chains. And so historically, the way they've done business and actually done it retention is they'd get someone into the program. They would get your ACH number so they could do wire transfers and have extremely what I would consider predatory contracts that would be a very hard to get out of. Because they had access to your bank account, you're kind of screwed. And here, this is a great way to get out of a yucky contract, but then people would go, you know what? I've done fine. Or I had a relationship with someone and I can do my workouts at home. So I know a lot of people who are doing workouts via Zoom. Or in my case, what I did, you know, well over a year ago is bought a Peloton and Peloton stock and their membership and, and, and has dramatically increased because, It is extremely intimate. It tracks you. You're competing against other people, against yourself. There's a community aspect. There's gamification. They just did everything right. Again, I think that model is going to be replicated. I'll give you another example of something that really I find extremely fascinating. So look at late night television, all the comedy shows. So most of these guys are producing shows in their homes and they don't need any fancy technology to do it. They started shooting with their own iPhones, really limited gear. Now they've got some other workflows in place. Hollywood's been tested. Half of LA isn't working right now. And I think the return to normal, a lot of these talents are going to go, what do I need the networks for? And evidence of this was, as of right now, last week, Joe Rogan did a deal with Spotify, $100 million. He's either the first or second largest podcaster in the world in history. Now, even for him, $100 million isn't that much because I estimate he was probably doing about 30 to 50 million a year. The but, however, is this. Spotify started a video channel. YouTube has gotten very prohibitive. And we know that Google and YouTube and Facebook and Instagram are evil. They do bad things. They support bad behavior, just as Twitter does. Algorithmic stuff, they're horrible and they kick people off for arbitrary reasons. Now, Joe Rogan's seen this for a long time and hasn't liked it. Spotify comes along, gives them a sweetheart deal. It's kind of like when Howard Stern went to Sirius. Sirius radio changed broadcast and radio forever. So here's what happens. The big money, as soon as they make the $100 million investments, Spotify's stock increases the value of the company by $5 billion in 48 hours, establishes a precedent for a self-made talent, 100% homegrown with total control over his library and retains that library. So in other words, they respect the intellectual property and he can do whatever he wants, just like Stern, okay? And Stern had all those issues with the FTC and all kinds of compliance for many years. So here's what happens. I predict... That in a fairly short period of time, you're gonna see traditional late night television doing the same deal. Spotify is gonna go after broadcast networks head on. They're gonna decimate them because they already have enough subscribers. This puts them over the top and they start their video channels. They're gonna do sweetheart deals and you're gonna see talent moving over for billion dollar deals. (laughs) So again, extrapolate this. Think about how this can affect your industry, your business, and other industries. We're going to see entire industries gutted over the next nine to 18 months. That's my prediction. And we could go on down the line and say, industry, industry, industry. Same type of thing, different value.
1: Yeah, and I just, as an audience of one, have tuned into Joe Rogan a lot more during this period of time. I'm not a big consumer of that type of call, but he seems to be the best because he's very even-handed. And even people that you know he disagrees with, he treats them with respect. And he asks them great questions that actually put them in the best possible light, which is rare. I mean, it's non-existent in the... Yeah, he's the smartest dumb guy. He
0: plays the smartest dumb guy on the air.
1: Yeah, totally. Remember the Gail Godot disaster when Gail Godot put together the sing along. She took Imagine, you know, John Lennon's Imagine, and she got each person, she had about 20 other people, to sing five seconds of it, you know, a bar. And they weren't any good. They were really bad. She was really bad. So Joe Rogan had a whole episode on it with another person who was much more vicious than Joe Rogan was. And Joe said, you know, I don't really know Gail Godot. He says, I don't really know her. I admire her. You know, he says, you know, she was terrific in Superwoman. But he says, you know, if, if I was a really close friend of Gail, and this happened, she was just thinking of the idea. He says, Gail, you know, you got such a great future ahead of you. I just don't think Americans who are worried about whether they're going to have enough to eat and are worried whether they're actually going to make the rent and they're on unemployment. I don't think they're going to appreciate you talking about how stressful this is for you and your mansion. So I don't think this is a good idea. I just don't think this is a good yeah. idea.
0: They call that being tone deaf in the popular yeah. world of the media. And that yeah. is interesting. And that that has certainly been another backlash from this is There are new rules of sensitivity and empathy and compassion throughout all this. And there's also, when you look at politicians' behavior as well, we occasionally dance around the political thing, but you look at what Trump's done by not wearing masks, for example. Mm -hmm. Clearly a statement. Yep.
1: And also... 5,000 churches, by the way, were opened up yesterday. A lot of them against the directives of their governor. So the Democrats are against people going to church. They're against people going to work. And he's just positioned them, I think, so that they're on the wrong side of every issue going into November.
0: It's going to be absolutely fascinating how the spin works and the messaging and positionings of all this for sure. Because, you know, the other narrative that goes on I don't know how much time you want to spend on this one, but I'm going to delicately balance on it, which is I have a lot of friends who are doctors, a lot of past clients and customers who I talk to on a very regular basis who are also, they're integrative physicians. So they operate inside the traditional and they are MDs who have gone over to doing functional medicine, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And then I have another good friend, two of them who's either their children or wives work at the Mayo Clinic. So they have access to the data. So- What virtually, well, all of them say, so I have no exceptions to this, it's still anecdotal, okay? I'm not going to pretend to be a statistician, Mm -hmm. but they all say the data's being manipulated horribly. They classify anyone for practically any reason, so they get free money. So we know that this is a massive power and cash grab. Mm -hmm. Secondly, they say every death that they know of, that they've witnessed, so I've talked to one of my docs was 3000 patients and she is in the longevity space so she does hormone replacement therapy and she said not one of her patients has had the virus secondly my other friend who works in minnesota at the mayo said to the best of his knowledge every death that they've seen has been someone who had comorbidity in other words they suffered from obesity and ignorance a combination and, of those yeah, two about
1: well, diabetes right. cardiovascular <laughs> And the first 80,000, they had a pretty good handle on the age of death, you know, how old they were. And the average for the first 80,000 was 75 years old.
0: Which again, my perspective, I wrote a very extensive piece that I almost blasted out to my audience, social and everything. And I decided I'm not going to have an opinion. I'm just not going to go out there and have one, but I predicted practically all this. Maybe when the dust settles, I will publish what I wrote, Mm -hmm. but I actually dug into statistics of death, disease, and my conclusion essentially was when you look at the numbers and the both the predicted numbers and the actual numbers, there are just ordinary numbers going on and they're going to be displaced and shifted over. And again, my perspective at the time is what you're going to see is a massive grab for power and money. And this is the greatest payout in human history of free money and redistribution of cash. And the argument that you hear right now about the rich getting all the money, and again, this is delicately balancing in the world of politics, I have heard that there is some corrupt stuff where there are, in fact, rich people getting personal payouts in the United States. I can't support that, but I know I read something about it.
1: Surely not. Yeah. After taking in that information, my future is just completely bleak.
0: Yeah. I did did
1: not know this happened in our world.
0: Yeah. Imagine rich people with connections benefiting from a political party. And yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's blowing me away. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, and again, I know there's a big gap here. I'm not a statistician. Won't pretend to be one on the internet or on TV. Then we've got unemployment benefits that are increased dramatically I've talked to a lot of friends who have like millennial kids, and they flat out are not going to go back to work because the payouts are too high. So, as long as we have this, so the question is once again, you've said this many times. If there was a total redistribution of wealth, it would take how long until the 80% would have all the money again if it were all redistributed? You have a better way of stating that. I think it's
1: about 12 months that it's distributed to everybody equally. On January 1st, and by December 31st, 80% of the population would have 20% of the cash. And that's Credo's Law. This was an Italian economist in the early part of the 1900s. He just said that talent, opportunity, wealth, income, advantage always is distributed where it's actually the top 20% has 80% of the results. And it's been proven in almost every field of activity that the top 20 performers control 80% of the rewards. And you can take it away from them and redistribute it. It's like universal basic income, the notion that everybody got $10,000 a year to start off with, but with no guarantee that there was a ceiling. And that basically out of 100 people each get $10,000 within 12 months, 20 of those individuals would have 80% of the money.
0: (laughs) And I would say that that works. And there are people like you and me. Right. But then that would work on a fractal basis. So in other words, in the 20%, you'd have the same graph going up which just explains this notion of anger towards the 0.001%. it's it's an in- inevitable curve. it's no more unnatural than beehives, right? there's just one queen, there's x number of workers, there's x number of drones, etc. i think this is just the natural order of the universe at work. we are just little fractals inside a bigger fractal inside a bigger fractal, you know, it's The inner world and the outer world are two in the same. So how do we bring that back down to Zoom meetings and making money here?
1: Well, I think that the thing that we're seeing is that in my lifetime, which goes back to 1944, the world was responding to some huge disruptions. The two world wars was most destructive, most brutal wars in human history had occurred within 25 years Before I was being born, the Great Depression, the Holocaust, the atomic bombs. So the years from 1945 onward were very, very different than what had happened up until the beginning of the First World War. Big empires disappeared. The Russian Empire disappeared. German Empire disappeared. British Empire disappeared. French Empire disappeared. Ottoman Empire disappeared. These were empires that lasted for hundreds of years, gone within twenty-five years. Then you've had seventy-five of the most prosperous years in human history. Following that, but it's it's falling apart. And my feeling is that right from the beginning, I didn't think that the virus was the cause of anything. I thought that the virus was actually the result of something that was actually a symptom. And my particular interest is that I think that everything the world thinks about China is probably not correct, that China is just desperately trying to hold itself together, and that the outbreak of the virus, which is pretty clear came from somewhere in China for some reason in China, but that it's probably just very, very bad management, very, very bad organization, and that they're so badly governed that something like this can happen and get out of hand. So that's what I believe. And this is not the worst of China's problems. They have much worse problems than this. So there's been basically an agreement that China could do what it wanted for the last 30 years. And now there isn't that agreement anymore. And the Chinese are feeling a little bit desperate about it. So this would be an interesting way to... segue.
0: Yes, to examine two perspectives. Okay. So again, I love looking at the microcosm and the macrocosm and looking at the patterns and looking for the opportunities that exist inside that. So where's the leverage? Where's the opportunity is where my brain naturally goes. Mm -hmm. So the little microcosm and what began this conversation in the first place is the fact that strategic coach has shifted and virtualized. So I believe that virtualization. I've been saying it for years and years and years. It's time. If you don't virtualize your business, if you don't dematerialize your business, if you don't digitize your business, you're screwed in the future. It just happened a lot faster and a lot more suddenly than I anticipated. But you've got to think about what's the conversation that takes place? What's the story that gets told in a way that's globalized and attracts the right values-driven people, not industry. Industries don't matter. You know that based upon the types of people who are strategic coach members. I've seen that, for example, in my clients as well. And then the values of those people and how they connect, there's a massive reset. When you can't do something, you adapt very rapidly. Those that don't go extinct, businesses and people combined, right? To me, this has been a reckoning and it's not intended to be insensitive to those who've lost people. This isn't a reflection on compassion or empathy here. It sucks for anyone who's damaged, harmed, or hurt. Mm -hmm. And it's up to you to be prepared because as a species, I think we've gotten lazy and complacent and very fat and comfortable for a long, long time. And there hasn't been a real reckoning in a long time. It just hasn't. So bringing this back to the microcosm, one of the things that is happening inside Strategic Coach is you've digitized, virtualized, and dematerialized very rapidly, honing this, and you have the benefit of big numbers, meaning thousands, almost 3,000 paying customers who've shifted their behavior in order to receive value. And now this model that we get to do is our free zone frontier, for example, of attracting more like them, but on a global scale, to build the $15 trillion ecosystem can happen faster <laughs> than what we originally anticipated, expected, or had a goal to have. You know, maybe our 25 year goal could be shortened into 10 years based upon this accelerator. And that's what okay. I see
1: this is. Well, I'm negotiable. Okay. But you have to have a goal. Guys got to have goals. To refocus your efforts. And it's very, very interesting. I've had, and this is probably something for the next podcast, but since I mentioned the word trillion, and let me explain this. So we did surveys which indicated that the total GDP of our strategic coach client base right now was $15 billion of the surveys that we got, we got 2,500 out of 3,000. So it's a very, very good scientific sample. Overwhelming sample, actually. And yeah, it, that
0: is a scientifically relevant sample. Yeah, that is,
1: yeah, six a statistician six would love. 5,6 is a good sample. And it kind of indicated, you know, that if you divided 2,500 into the total GDP, on average, it was about six million each individual, each individual company, and they had an eBITDA you know which is you know a meaningful term. The EBITDA was about three million, and the take home was slightly over a million and this is for two thousand five hundred entrepreneurs so a really affluent really well placed group of entrepreneurs to grow into the future and we have a top level of strategic coach, which is called the free zone. And that's where entrepreneurs learn to collaborate with each other and create new value creation propositions that are, for the most part, completely free of competition. And I'm seeing uh, another aspect, free of regulation. They're creating new types of entrepreneurial companies that are not really regulated. Where they are regulated, they want to dispense with that as fast as possible. They just want to leave the regulated part. So I said, you know, I can see in 25 years that real growth to the client base, but if we took the GDP, which is now 15 billion for the entire Strategic Coach network of clients, entrepreneurial clients, by 2044, it's a meaningful date for me because that's my 100th year. So I'll be 100 and May of 2044, and this, you know, about 25 years from now. And I said, it'll be 15 trillion. And I think that a GDP of that network at 15 trillion will rank them right near the top. US will probably be about 40. The US, by the way, I don't know if you know this, Mike, is the only country that at the end of 15 straight decades, its GDP has grown. It's the only time in history that a country for that many decades, you know, you can have bad years during the decade, but at the end of the decade. So you can imagine that where the U.S. is with its GDP right now, especially after this bump in the road, that it could very easily be twice what it is 10 years from now. I think actually this whole thing really works to America's advantage. So I've got things to say about that. that Far from this is the end of the U.S., this is probably the great new beginning of the U.S. Actually, America is very skillful at the type of technology that's really available now and really important. So this is my take on it. So, you know, it's kind of exciting, the capability amplifier topic of our podcast, Mike. The first thing you have to amplify is your imagination. You want a bigger capability, it starts with your imagination. It starts with your commitments.
0: Yes, and actually the other one, you talk about the four C's. It is also your courage, for sure. And the next thing is your ability to craft lucky scenarios. In other words, know where the crossroads of opportunity and where there's leverage and amplification and that's what's so beautiful about the free zone frontier is you can take two people completely different industries observing a pattern waiting for proper timing what some might call luck but it's actually just being prepared predicting x and y's and being able to suddenly move when the unknown happens and inside of the context of covid for example and again this is going to sound a little cold but Everyone that I'm surrounded with and that I know that my community and yours as well, look at the, for the most part, the strategic coach community is we've been practicing disciplined behavior long enough to accumulate some wealth to weather a storm like this and also have some reserves, mental reserves, imagination reserves, courage reserves, relationship reserves in order to back up take a little time, observe, spot where the opportunity is, and create some momentum and be able to execute rapidly through telling great stories, being able to connect and have deeper, more meaningful relationships. And here we are in this infinite multiplier environment that frankly exists inside our brains. Technology is an extension of our imaginations and being able to create you know, again, you don't have to leave an office to own a mine or do something in the physical world, in the material world, but have massive control over it. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing, you know, on one hand, if aliens observed the planet and said, hey, what's going on here? How could this be where there are folks who can sit in an office and control an enormous amount of wealth and opportunity without touching the physical world and yet do it all in the physical world, that in itself is pure magic to me. And I think that is definitely worth a conversation as we move forward, which is where are some of the greatest opportunities that are being revealed and created right now? Where can you get the biggest multipliers leverage and what capability enhancements do we want to need in the post-COVID economy? and not just on a U.S. scale, but on a worldwide scale. And then it, I think it would be worth going down a little bit and talking about the where other countries are positioned. Mm-hmm. So think Peter Zihan's economy perspective now versus four months ago. And where are we going to see the accelerators? And what do you think of that for our next episode?
1: Uh, that'd be great, yeah. Okay. Um, and I talked to Peter three months ago about this issue And he said he thought that the pandemic was predicted that it might be a pandemic in February. I mean, then it became a sure thing. Not the biggest ever, by the way, but the one with probably the greatest global effect. So he said this speeds all of his predictions up. So he just came out with a new book in April. So this is good. And all coach clients will get a copy.
0: Love that. Well, let's dive into that next. So, we'll deal specifically with Mm -hmm. where are the opportunities? Where can you multiply your luck inside this space, manifest more, build the courage, but also amplify your imagination to see the possibilities and potential? Will you head over to iTunes right now to rate the Capability Amplifier show? Every rating and review helps spread the message and create more empowered entrepreneurs like you. And if you've already done that, please share this episode with a friend who you know can benefit from Capability Amplifier. And if you have any questions or suggestions, head over to capabilityamplifier.com. There you can leave us an audio message and Dan and I listen to every single one of them. Thanks again for listening. and We'll see you soon.